Hey everyone, thanks for being with us today. More than anything at this moment, I just wish I could reach across the screen and give you a hug. Does anyone else feel that way? You know, over the last two and a half months, our world has changed greatly. And I've heard people say that some of the things they miss the most are hugs from loved ones or sitting in the company of friends or even worshiping together, not just through a screen, but in person, side by side. And today, I just wanna take a really quick moment to remind you that this will eventually be over. I think we all need to hear that, especially right now when we're in the thick of this pandemic and at times it might feel like it's never gonna end and we've just been in the middle of it for so long, but I wanna remind you today that it will be over and at one point we will be on the other side of this. And I believe we'll come out on the other side with a greater understanding of what's important and what we value people, relationships, community, the simple things. We need a little perspective in all of this. And so I'm praying that the Lord uses this to do something in my life and your life. So be encouraged, this will pass. But this morning I wanna share an amazing story from the Word of God. This is a story of good and evil, of bravery and triumph. It's a story of friendship and honor. In fact, I believe that this has all of the components of what the greatest movies are made of. I'm not kidding you. It's found in the book of Daniel, and it is the story of the fiery furnace. Before we dive into the word this morning, I just want to give a little context for where this story takes place. And there's this king who rules in Babylon, and his name is King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar came and invaded Jerusalem, and he took many Israelites into captivity to Babylon. They were forced from their homes and their friends and their communities and taken against their will to a foreign land. And among those taken in captivity were three young men by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what's kind of interesting is that when they got to Babylon, at one point, King Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this giant statue of gold. And he makes this decree in all of the land that at the sound of music, when the music began to play, everybody in the kingdom must bow and worship this idol that he made. And, and a part of all of that was that if they didn't, they would be thrown into a fiery furnace and die. Now what's interesting is all of those taken into captivity in Babylon, the Israelite people, this was really against their religion and their, and their belief to bow before another God. You see, one of the 10 commandments says, you shall not worship another God besides the one true God. And these people, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, they were God's chosen people. And if, if you don't fully understand church history, just a couple quick things to kind of wrap your mind around it. There was one man by the name of Abraham and God showed up to him and he said, hey, Abraham, you're gonna be the father of many nations. And at the time, Abraham's wife couldn't even bear a child. And so this seemed crazy, but sure enough, God fulfilled his promise to Abraham and Abraham started the lineage of this great nation of Israel who are God's chosen people who fast forward, eventually Jesus himself comes from this line, from this, from this lineage, from the Israelite nation, which is pretty crazy. So anyways, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it is against their um, moral compass and their standards to bow before this idol. And so the music begins to play and all of the kingdom bows except 
these three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so we're going to jump into this story in the Bible this morning in Daniel chapter 3. And we're picking up here in verse 13. And it says this, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all other kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I've made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And so here in this moment, we see these three boys have a choice. They can either turn against what they believe is right and bow down and worship another god or they can march to their death in a fiery furnace. And this is a really difficult situation they're in, but I love their response. In verse 16, it says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from, from you, your majesty. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. How profound is that? And what's interesting is, as you can imagine, King Nebuchadnezzar became very angry when he heard this. And so he actually ordered that the heat be turned up in the furnace seven times hotter. He was frustrated. He was mad. And he was like, that's it. I'm going to show him what I'm about. And so it goes on in verse 21. And it says, so these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then it goes on and said this, says this. So the boys came out and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Today, the title of my message is The Fire. And I wonder what your fire is today. What's that thing that you're facing that scares you? Something that's difficult and heavy to walk through. Maybe it's something that you just want to turn and run away from because it's so daunting as you look at it. Without a doubt, this pandemic that we're all walking through is a fire for us, for some more than others. But maybe there is another fire that you're personally walking through. Maybe a marriage that doesn't look like it can survive. Or maybe it's a financial crisis or job loss or a broken relationship. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a health crisis. Or maybe it's anxiety and fear or loneliness. 
What fire are you in the middle of today? And today I want to talk about what happens in the fire. Because I believe that when we're caught in the middle of life's fires, there is something significant that takes place if we are aware of what's going on and we choose how we walk through it. And so my first point this morning is that in the fire, conviction is revealed. You know, these three boys, they had conviction. They had this conviction that they would not bow and worship another besides their one true God. And what's interesting is that these three didn't go into the furnace kicking and screaming. They walked with strength and resolve. I think it's safe to say that they would have been pretty fearful in this moment. Who wouldn't be, right? But they had a faith in their God that far outweighed their fear. And they had this deep conviction in their God that, 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 that he was good no matter what the circumstance was. I love how when they're talking to King Nebuchadnezzar, they say, look, our God is going to deliver us from this. And then in verse 18, it says, but even if he doesn't, that's where their hearts were. No matter what happened, no matter what the outcome was, their God was still good and they still weren't going to bow to that idol. And I believe that this didn't just appear out of nowhere. You see, I think that these boys had a foundation laid before they ever hit the furnace. As young boys, I believe that they heard stories of faith, stories that were recorded in their Jewish writings and that had been passed down for generations. Stories about their God, a God who caused barren wombs to bear children, a God who revealed dreams to dreamers, a God who parted a body of water, allowing a nation to escape to freedom on dry ground. A God who provided food when there was no food in sight. A God who gave courage to Gideon and his army to win a battle when they were completely outnumbered. A God who gave strength to David to defeat a giant. A God who allowed Elijah to defeat, defeat the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. A God who gave Esther courage to face death in order to save her people. And a God who took Job's suffering and turned it around for good. Their foundation with God is what solidified their strength on the way into the furnace. Their knowledge of the goodness of their God is what fortified their faith that day. And their conviction came from a foundation that was laid. It, it, it didn't just come in that moment. I believe there was something to, that took place long before that day that allowed their conviction to stand firm. You see, we can't expect to have the same conviction without putting in the same work. Uh, maybe you've grown up in church, or maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't grown up in church. Maybe you're new to faith. Here's what I want to say to that. Don't worry. Just start building that foundation now because that foundation of conviction comes when we put in work, when, when as we're walking through the fires, we, we turn to the presence of God. Maybe you're surrounded by fear and anxiety and you feel crippled by those things. Well, well, turning to the presence of God looks like cranking up that worship music and choosing to sing and declare who God is in the middle of your fire. It looks like looking to the word of God and seeing who God is, what his character is. It looks like declaring these stories, stories like we're reading today over our lives and, and realizing that, that the God we serve is so much bigger than the circumstance we're in. Those are the things that fortify our conviction. And so we have to start now laying the groundwork, laying that foundation before we ever even reach the fire. Conviction comes 
when we have a confidence in who God is. The circumstances didn't dictate the size of their faith. Conviction dictated every move they made leading up to the furnace. They were determined to be faithful whether they were delivered or not. I love that. How profound. And in the fire, conviction is revealed. Another thing I want you to see this morning is that in the fire, faith has opportunity to grow. Do you know that in the fires we face, our faith actually has the opportunity to enlarge and grow? It doesn't just have to stay the same. There's something that happens in the fire that can't happen when everything is going perfect and things are really smooth. You see, there's a desperation that takes place in the middle of the fire that, that, that forges out a depth in our relationship with Jesus and, and a deeper, um, deeper roots in our faith. There's a foundation of faith that produces resilience. That's why how you handle the fiery furnaces of life locate the foundation of your soul. It's easy to say that you trust God and that he's enough, but when you're in the middle of the fire, your actions speak louder than your words ever could. Do you run away? Do you lose sight of the fact that God is with you? Do you give up? It's easy to talk until it's tested. You can either shrink back in fear or you can forge forward in faith. Those are our options. And in my own life, I've seen this to be true. I've, I've, I've seen that in some of my darkest moments, in some of my greatest, hottest, fiery moments, that it's been confusing, it's been difficult, but when I've chosen to put one step in front of the other, when I reach the other side, I see this, this reservoir of deep faith that's, that's built because I chose to lean into the presence of God in the middle of that. And I can honestly say, I'm thankful for, for those fires that I've walked through because had it not been for those, my relationship with Christ would look very different. There wouldn't be that depth of faith. And so in the middle of the fire, we have opportunity to grow our faith. One thing that I really love about faith is that it knows no age limits. Theologians believe that these boys, these three boys that went to that furnace, that they were about 11 years old. Can you believe that? 11 years old and they were making these type of, of faith choices. That shows me that faith isn't left to grown-ups. If you're younger than 15 years old and you're listening to my voice right now, you can have crazy daring faith like these boys did. But the cool thing about faith is it's not just for the four-year-olds, it's for the 104-year-olds. It spans such a great distance and it's not only for the young. You see, I'm 20, 29 years old and my generation needs 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90-year-olds that are leading the way in radical faith. I'm thankful for those who have gone before me because it has helped me. It has helped set the tone for my life by watching the way they have walked through fires. I wanna encourage all of us to be people that put our roots down deep and look at every fire as an, an opportunity to grow our faith. And the most important thing I want you to, to hear this morning and understand is that in the fire, you are not alone. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not alone. In verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar says, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into this fire? I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. 
In the middle of that fiery furnace, they were not alone. God was with them. Can you imagine what it would have been like? I, I just kind of wish I could have been a fly on that wall as long as I was, you know, for sure not gonna burn up. Listening to the conversation between those three boys and their God in the middle, middle of that blazing fire. There was another in the fire that day. Psalm 23, four, I love this verse. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And in Deuteronomy 31, six, it says, the Lord your God goes before you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And in the middle of the fiery furnaces we face in this life, God's promise is to be with us and bring us comfort. He will not forsake us. There may be times where we don't feel his presence in the same way that those three boys did standing right next to them in the fire, but that doesn't mean he's not there. I asked the team to share a song with us today. It's, it's actually called Another in the Fire. How appropriate, right? And what I want you to do here as we listen to this is just listen and allow these words to sink in as you do listen. grace when the heart is under fire By the way when the walls are closing in When I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire Standing to me, there was another in the wilds, holding back the seas, should I ever need a reminder of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden, where a brother died for me, there is another in the fire. Hold 
These words that were just sung say that there's another in the fire standing next to me. There's another in the waters holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding what power set me free, there's a grave that holds no body, and now that power lives in me. Those are powerful words that point us to a promise that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, evil was vanquished, death was defeated, and Jesus reigns victorious. God sent us Jesus to save our souls and show us the way forward. And Jesus tells us that that saving power lives in us when we surrender our lives to him and when we choose to walk with him. That is the power of the gospel. That is the good news today. And my friends, that is what our faith is built upon. It's not just an Easter message. It is an everyday message because it changes our lives. John 16, says, I have told you these things. This is Jesus talking so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You are not alone. 
There is another in the fire with you today. And my final point today that I want you to see is that how you walk through the fire will impact others. In in chapter 28, we see Nebuchadnezzar's response to this miracle in the fire. And it says this, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now, the king's decree there at the end got a little morbid, okay? It got a little destructive. But what I want you to see here is that King Nebuchadnezzar's perspective changed that day, all because he witnessed their faith in the middle of the fire. How incredible is that? Their decision to walk through that fire in a God-honoring way impacted everyone who watched. It says right before that that the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the royal advisors all stood around and saw what happened. And ultimately, the whole kingdom heard of this story because Nebuchadnezzar goes on to make a decree in all the land that people must worship that God because of what took place that day. When we walk through our fires in a God-honoring way, people take notice. And in the same way, if you're someone who follows Christ, but at the first sign of struggle, you doubt the goodness of God and you give in to fear and you start to give up, What does that tell people about the God that you serve? I wonder if you know someone who has impacted your life by the way they live. One of the people that that comes to mind for me that has impacted my life the most is my dad, our lead pastor here at Ridgeway. And I've learned some of my greatest lessons by watching him walk through the fires of life. I've seen the way he's handled failure and hard times. I've seen the ways he's navigated fear in unknown seasons. Many of you were a part of our journey a few years back when my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And during that time, I had the honor of not just watching my dad pastor our church and preach on a platform week after week, but I also saw him walk out his faith in the middle of the unknown as he cared for my mom day in and day out. His faith was unshakable and his outlook was hopeful in the bleakest of circumstances. Why? I think if you asked him that question, he would tell you it was because he had a strong faith in Christ, that he knew God was with him. He knew there was another in the fire with him. And the way he walked out his faith impacted not only me, but so many others. I wonder if someone comes to mind for you, someone who's inspired great faith in you by the way they've trusted God. How you walk through the fire will impact others. God wants us to do the fires well. He wants us to press into hope and have unshakable faith in the God we serve. Now, we don't do it for the sake of others, right? We don't just make these decisions because we know people are watching, but it is important to understand that people are watching. And your story has the power to impact others. It has the potential to point them to the goodness of the God you serve. In Matthew chapter four, in that, in that chapter, Jesus is talking to a crowd and he's kind of giving them some instruction and, and some direction. And, 
In, in Matthew chapter 5, he's talking to them about being a light, what it looks like to be a light that shines forth his glory in the world. And in verse 16, it says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your life has the power to either point people closer to Jesus or pull them further away. For some people, the way you live in the good times and the bad times is the only glimpse of Christ they will ever see. And so let's live it well. Let's do the fires really well. What the world needs is to see the church, capital C, not just Ridgeway, but all Christ followers rising up and walking out peace and strength and faith in the middle of the fire. So my question for you today is, how are you gonna live? How are you gonna handle the fire? My prayer for us is that we could walk in conviction and unshakable faith, knowing that Jesus is with us and that our story could point others to the goodness of God. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I just thank you for every single person listening to the sound of my voice right now. And God, we thank you for this story that not only encourages us, but also stirs up faith in our hearts. God, we thank you for a testimony of, of what you've done before us, the way you've uh, been with people, the way you've surrounded others before our time and, and gone with them and appeared and shown up. And Lord, we know that you are with us. God, you are with us in the middle of what we're walking through. So Lord, I specifically pray for my friends right now that are going through really tough times, things that are really trying their will. And, and Lord, things that might feel, fires that might feel too big for them. Lord, I pray right now that you bring comfort and hope. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would um, give clarity for how to walk through this in the right way. Lord, we thank you that your promise is to be with us. And Lord, that is the most important thing out of all of this today. If there's anything we grab from this message and from this story, it's that, Lord, you are with us. And because you are with us, we can walk through this. We can get through this. We are not alone. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray for every single person listening, that they would be stirred with courage and faith, knowing that they're not alone. Lord, as they continue to walk out these circumstances, they would do it in a way that honors you. Lord, we thank you that you are good and that you are faithful. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, we love you and we miss you. We miss gathering as a church. I hope you have an incredible week and we'll see you throughout the week online in connect groups and then next Sunday at 10 a.m. So church, have an amazing Sunday.